Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowder from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A gospel reading from the 14th chapter of Luke. One day, when large groups of people were walking along with him, Jesus turned and told them, Anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own self, can't be my disciple. Anyone who won't shoulder his own cross and follow behind me can't be my disciple. Is there anyone here who, planning a new house, doesn't first sit down and figure the cost so you'll know if you can complete it? If you only get the foundation laid and then run out of money, you're going to look pretty foolish. Everyone passing by will poke fun at you. He started something he couldn't finish. Or can you imagine a king going into battle against another king with his 10,000 troops to face the 20,000 troops of the other. And if he decides he can't, won't he send an emissary and work out a truce? Simply put, if you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Well, most weeks, I begin that process of looking ahead to next week's Sunday by checking out the preaching text in the afternoon, usually pulling up one of the apps and seeing what the preaching text is going to be. I don't necessarily start reading it closely, and I don't look at the commentaries quite yet on a Sunday afternoon. I typically wait until Tuesday when I'm preparing for the Bible studies. But sometimes on those Sunday afternoons when I open it up and I see what the scripture is going to be, I'm excited, and I'm like, this is going to fit really nicely with what we're talking about Sometimes I get a passage that is so rich with historical insights that I can tell it's going to be a lot of fun to study. Sometimes after reading a passage, it's clear that some verses should get added or some verses taken away. In some instances, perhaps an alternative translation should be considered. This was one of those weeks. It might not have sounded as familiar to us the the way that Nancy just read that translation. That's from the Message Bible. It's a modern paraphrase of what Jesus is talking about. Unfortunately, in the versions of the Bible that we would typically read on a Sunday, often that's the New Revised Standard, or sometimes the New International, or sometimes you might even be familiar with the King James, there is a verse in today's reading that Once you heard that in the passage, I guarantee that as soon as you heard it, you would not be able to move from it, and you would think, wow, what's going on there? And so in order to avoid that and to perhaps 
kind of name the elephant in the room, realizing that if that's what she would have read, I realized you wouldn't focus on anything else. And so if you don't believe me, the Bible studies on Tuesday with the old guys and the women of wisdom were fixated on this verse. They were like, this doesn't sound like Jesus, Pastor John. This can't be what Jesus wants from us, right? And so, thanks to the powers of TikTok, this is actual footage of me the very first time I read this passage last Sunday. And if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple? What? What am I going to do with that? Hmm. I don't really want to do the work today. I don't want to do the work today. I don't really want to do the work today. I don't want to do the work today. Now, two things are probably very clear to you after this. One, I don't want to preach about hating my mom and dad and wife and children, my brothers and children, for example, or even life itself. And second, you don't have to worry about me deciding to abandon the ministry to become a TikToker. <laughs> Whatever that means. I didn't want to do the work anymore on Sunday or Monday last week. I took my Sabbath and I was like, I don't want to touch this passage at all. But then I knew that there was going to be some work to do. It's a really interesting text. Not just the part about hating, but also this preparing to build a tower and a king going up against another king with a larger army. I mean, where do we even begin? So let's go back to that naughty word. Hate. Now, I grew up in the kind of household where hate was on the naughty list. I only said, oh my God, if I was praying. The only damn uttered in my house was if we were talking about a river blocker. Let that one sink in. And hate was the equivalent of a swear word. One of my kids, he shall go unnamed, had his back-to-school conferences this week. Now, Taryn was worried about him, so she gave him a little pep talk before the conference with his teacher. Hey, this is how you need to act. This is what you need to do when you walk into the classroom. This is how you need to talk to your teacher. You got it? He's like, yep, got it. Didn't matter. He walked right in, saw his teacher, looked around, and said, I hate school. <laughs> this did not go well for him. Hate can be an overused word, can't it? But when we see the word hate in the Bible, whoa, we perk up, because that's one of those words that, that must really mean something strong. Hate can send a really strong message, which is why after those Bible study conversations that I had on Tuesday, I thought it'd be helpful to look at the message version. Here's a refresher. Anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even oneself, can't be my disciple. Yeah, I mean, this is helpful. 
This doesn't say that you're supposed to hate all of those people, but we do need to let them go. If they're impeding our ability to follow Christ, which can be a helpful way to look at things, but still, I, I mean, there was something that just didn't quite resonate. So Deacon Nina and I were talking also in the last few weeks about this new version of the Bible that has been translated. It's actually called the First Nations Version, and it's an indigenous translation of the New Testament. She was talking about one of her peers who had uh, offered up a Bible passage from there and just how rich this text was. So I, I bought it, and I got this in the mail this past week, and I thought, well, let's take a peek. I wonder what the telling of this story uh, from the lens of you know, our first tribes of Turtle Island, which is known as North America. I wonder how they would translate this passage. And it did not disappoint. So here's what it says. Creator set free, Jesus, was coming near to Jerusalem. Large crowds were following him. So he said, the ones who come to me, uh, the ones who come to me must put me first above all others. To walk the road with me, they must love and respect me above their own fathers and their mothers, their wives and their children, and their aunties and uncles. Well, I love that. Putting Jesus first above all others? That's a no-brainer. It's pretty clear, isn't it? It's like, why wouldn't you have just said that in the first place, Jesus? Well, it's because the Greek doesn't lie. You know, the way this gets translated and written down and In our gospel, Jesus uses the word hate. But context, well, in the Jewish context, the word translated as hate is actually more accurately described as to turn away from, to detach oneself from. There are other examples throughout the Bible where hate is actually a distancing. It's trying to turn away from and and be more focused on God. And I think about what the context would have been for the listeners, You know, in the very first century, especially in this part of the world where Jesus is, everything would have been about family. Everything. You belonged to your family. So you believed what your father believed, and your father believed whatever his father or his master or his Lord believed. And so if Jesus comes along and is offering a new way, it was clearly going to run counter to everything that your family belonged to. If the rest of your Jewish family didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah and At the time, who could have really blamed them? Why on earth would they accept a child who has now abandoned them to follow Jesus? Jesus knows this as he's preaching to them, as he's talking to them. And so following Jesus in about the year 30 would have been a very direct challenge to your own standing within your family. You weren't just saying, hey, I think I'm just going to go check things out in the desert for a few months or a few years, and if it doesn't turn out, I'm just going to go back to my family. Didn't work that way. Couldn't go back. You were sacrificing everything. And so then Jesus suggests that, you know, you're going to have to actually pick up your cross and follow me, even to death. Wow. Wow. That's some pretty significant foreshadowing, isn't it? None of his 12 disciples pick up their cross and follow him to Golgotha, do they? Now, Jesus isn't talking to an audience in present day 2022. He's not talking into a context where our world has now seen legions of Christian churches created across the world as we have this devotion to Christ 
Yes, we have different beliefs and creeds and practices, but think about what's at stake. There's some truth to Jesus saying that we need to put things in perspective, that we need to put Jesus first. We aren't great at doing that. We are not great at putting Jesus above all others or above all things. There are times where we just don't want to do the work today. Am I right? We fail to plan ahead. We don't give our whole heart to God. We don't do the things that we know that we're supposed to do. It's kind of like the person who's building the house. And they only lay the foundation and they didn't figure out how much money it was going to cost to build the rest of it. Or that king who goes against battle with a king with an army twice his size. And if there's not a path to victory, the king sends a truce. It's like Jesus has anticipated that he's not going to be able to complete, that we wouldn't be able to complete all these tasks on our own. It's like Jesus knows what the cost of this mission, of what he's saying, what it's going to cost us. And Jesus knows what it's going to cost himself. And you'll notice, despite multiple opportunities, Jesus is given the opportunity to wave the white flag. Truce. Come on, Jesus, just recant. Just tell us what we want to hear. Jesus doesn't back down. Those around him do. Jesus knows that upon his own death, there will be some who laugh at him. Ha, he didn't finish what he started. He said he was the son of God, and he's dying like a criminal on the outskirts of town. What a loser. Jesus knew it would cost him his life, and that rising from the dead three days later, who would be laughing now? How do we turn away from the things that come between us and Jesus? I don't think the solution is that we should hate all of the ones that we love. How about a different mindset? What if we realize that we could change the world through our confidence in Christ? What if we realize that we didn't have to be afraid of our brothers and sisters who are around us? What if we realized that by putting in the work, we are putting Christ first. Here's a tweet that I saw from a basketball coach, Tom Crean. He said, be first. Speak and say hello to someone first. Hold the door open first. Greet and introduce yourself first. Give up your seat first. Just these simple things can change someone else's day. You never know what other people are dealing with. Our kindness matters. While you're at it, throw a smile in there. Look someone in the eye. What if, by putting others first, we realize that we're actually putting Christ first? Now, remember my son who told his teacher how much he hated school? He quickly learned his lesson and realized that this was not the right thing to say. So he thought about this all day after a talk afterwards. And later that night, he came into the living room and he looked at me and Taryn. Completely unprompted, he goes, Mom, Dad, I regret that I said that. 
I really think I'm going to like my classroom. I'll try to do better this year. There's hope. A glimmer of hope, after all. Is he truly willing to turn away from his old behaviors? Hmm, we'll see. But it starts with a different mindset, doesn't it? I can tell deep down he wants to turn things around. So what about us? Can we intentionally put Jesus first? Can we put Jesus first in our families? First in our interactions with others? First in our own hearts, in ourselves? I know I'm willing to do the work today. How about you? Amen. Let's sing. Let's, uh, let's sing, this is a beloved hymn, Will You Come and Follow Me? <laughs>